Here we go then. This is the sound of the start of your weekend. It's the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair. And it's me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, talking about the EFL weekend. This podcast is very strictly for over 18s only. Gambling comes with significant risks. Please be aware of them if you are thinking of having a bet this weekend. BeGambleAware.org to learn about or brush up on the significant risks that come with betting. George and I both had a positive week. George was up after a nap winner of Middlesbrough, a BTTS yes winner between Millwall and Birmingham, odds against. Uh, however, I have to bring up, George, what El Arbitro Hugh Davis has flagged this morning, that George's record predicting Oxford games on the betting show this season, minus 3.08 points. George's record in all other fixtures involving 71 other teams in the EFL, plus 9.62. There's a message in there, mate, and it's not a subtle hmm. one. Well, but at least it is. You know, the, the majority of those losers have been when I've predicted us to lose, which is good. Um, so this was the first time I've, I've actually tipped us to win all season, and it was a loser. So it's not like I'm just constantly here saying, Oxford to win, Oxford to win, Oxford to win. But just there's something about yellows. It makes your brain drunk with emotion, whether that's in a positive or a negative way. You are basically a reflection of Carl Robinson, of Oxford United. You, you, <laughs> you burn so brightly. But you do burn when it comes to yellows. Uh, my green week streak is up to six now. 2.55 points up from six stake last weekend. That was thanks to Mansfield's win against Donny at 5-4, to four, draw no bet. Uh, Borough winning as well against Swans and laying Salford at 1.8 against Chesterfield. And Chesterfield winning that one 2-0. Goals and goal scorer, uh, no luck there. Uh, five points clear of you now in the season-long stakes, but we are not even halfway and we know that all it takes is is one big week for you and one poor week for me, and, and the swing will be significant. So you'd do well to find a more throbbing docket than this one, George, a full slate of EFL action. Narrative oozing back into the EFL. Shout out the Monday Pod listeners for that reference. What is your best bet? What's your nap? My nap is Exeter um, to beat Tranmere. Uh, it even money in League Two. And... You know, this is in part because I think Exeter are going through what on paper looks like a tricky run. And, you know, the, the results haven't been particularly good recently. Uh, they come here off the back of a 2-1 rare home defeat against against Northampton. And, and looking at their form in general, they've won just one of their last five games in all comps. That was a 2-1 home win against Bradford. But uh, their home form has always been kind of the, the cornerstone of any Exeter success. And a look at their home league form, it is still very, very impressive. Uh, you know, before the, the Cobblers defeat, they um, beat Bradford, as I said, but in the league, they beat Oldham and Carlisle. Uh, looking back, they haven't lost at home. Uh, back in the league uh, since, um, I mean, it's it's back to March. That was the first league to home the league defeat since March. You can hear me basically scrolling through their games there. So they're still a very strong side. Tranmere are conversely in a good little patch in terms of their recent results um they won have won their last two league games against bradford and oldham unbeaten in three and that really bad run they had a few weeks ago um looks to be over but digging into their performance against oldham a bit deeper in midweek they were unbelievably fortunate to win that game they were absolutely battered throughout by Oldham. Uh, An Oldham side have been pretty poor so far. Salim Benashur will be wondering how on earth his team didn't win. Not only did they take the lead, but it was chalked off due to a rolling ball in, in the quadrant. Um, 
you know, Keeler Dunn hit the woodwork from from range. He also missed an absolute sitter from about two yards with a header. They missed plenty of chances in the game. Um, and then lost with Tranmere scoring a very, very scrappy goal late on in the game, having not really created much at all. That that 1-0 win was, um, you know, I know it may have made my um, business partner a few quid on, on his betting, but I think he can put that one down in the in the fortunate uh, column because Tranmere didn't deserve to win the game. So it's a bit of a false result. I think this is one of those where I always say where we've got an extra side who the... the um, Kind of the narrative around them might be that they're struggling for form. I'm not sure that's true, especially at home. And with Tranmere, it might be that their performances have improved. But I'm not sure on the basis of what, of what we saw in midweek against a far weaker team than Exeter. That's necessarily true either. So I think the even money about Exeter to get back a, back to winning ways um, is is the value. And my nap in the EFL this weekend. I'm sticking towards the top of League Two. Uh, your breakdown of Oldham's impressive display in defeat in midweek, giving me some cause for concern because I'm backing Forest Green to beat them uh, this weekend at Boundary Park at 1.8 4-5 not the most exciting price but I'm not here to make friends Forest Green do we need to say too much I mean they are the best team in the league by some distance the most consistent winning machine in the league in fact probably the only winning machine in this division at this moment in time they have a very settled side that knows exactly how to win games we saw that in midweek, where they went to Harrogate, who, don't forget, despite uh, a bit of recent slippage, went into that one as a playoff team. And Forest Green travelled to Yorkshire and left 4-1 winners. Very, very comfortable, very impressive. That The team is just so well set at the moment. And, of course, the key aspects of it going forward, the wing-backs, Wilson and Cadden, and the strikers, Matt and Stevens. Those four are performing at a ridiculous level for League Two so far this season. Um, but the other thing for me is... You know, sometimes you get put off when you fancy backing a team, but the fact of being away from home can can give you pause for thought. But Forest Green are better away from home than they are at home. And it's not just a quirk of this season. It's not a small sample size based on this season alone. This season, having said that, they've played 10 away from home. They've picked up 24 points. That's seven wins and three draws in their 10 games. No defeats. 2.4 points per game at home. Uh, they've played nine, won six, drawn one and lost two. So both of their defeats at home this season. And if you go back three more seasons, it stands up. Last season, they only got one point less away from home compared to at home. Now, most teams are well above their away points record with their home points record season before which was the incomplete season they finished with 1.58 points per game away from home 1.11 at home big difference there in favor of their away points and the season before that 41 points away from home 33 points at home eight points more away than at home there's something about the new lawn or rather there's something about their travels where they're so so good and it's hard to exactly work out why but I think it's a thing I think it's legit but this is also for non-football reasons. This fixture is highlighted as the Oldham fans empty the park protest. So a couple of weeks ago, they went for the pack the park against Port Vale, that unlikeliest of 3-2 wins against Vale, where the Oldham fans packed Boundary Park and supported their team vociferously to make a point about how many there are and in particular, how many have been driven away by the current ownership or rather by the decline in the club overseen by the current ownership uh, and that continues with the empty the park protest Oldham's fans are either boycotting the game entirely or I think some of them are going to stage something of a walkout at some point in this game so 
I mean, for what it's worth, the, the Oldham fans have my full support. I'm absolutely terrified of, of what happens to this football club the longer it's run in the manner that it's being run, if it drops into non-league. And I've no reason to think, based on this ownership's history or even recent EFL history across other clubs, that this current owner, uh, acting like this, can or will turn it around. So um, fully in support of the Oldham fans' protest and the creative way that they're doing it, making uh, dif- uh, different points, or rather the same point in different ways. Uh, but... It just means that I don't think from an olden perspective here, football, not really the story. It's an inexperienced manager overseeing a team that has done okay to um, to pick up some points recently, but ultimately is still a football team that finds it very hard to win games. They're, they're up against the best team in the league and I expect Forrest Green to do the business in amongst it all. So Forrest Green, my nap at, at 1.84-5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best, George. I'm backing Wigan to be Ipswich at 6-5. Um, I'm denied about this for a long time because I didn't think Wigan were very good last night against Shrewsbury. They were pretty fortunate to win that. Shrewsbury probably the better side before Tello Asgard. Um, I don't know how to describe that goal. Kind of just well placed. wedged it in. Yeah, wedged it in from kind of 20, 25 yards. It was a weird goal. Wasn't the most powerful shot, was it? I, I no. My guess found is the corner. my guess is that the goalkeeper might have been unsighted by a defender yeah. standing in front of him. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 backing them here because I think with Ipswich, the quality of the squad, and still some semblance of you know they're going to improve at some point is 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 factored into their price. And we're coming into this game off the back of Ipswich's worst performance of the season against Charlton, where they were terrible, and it ended up with. You know, Toto and Siala arguing with with the fans who then jumped out of the out of the crowd and started pushing them. Missiles being thrown by Ipswich fans to their players. Things are unraveling very very quickly at Ipswich Town at the moment. Um, of course, there is a chance that there might be a reaction here, um, but it doesn't seem particularly likely that they're going to be announcing a new manager between now and the game on Saturday. And if that's the case, I, I have no faith that John McGreal is the, is the man who's going to come in and, and turn this around. Um, their performance levels are consistently so low. Wigan's form this season is, is pretty strange, where that was their first um, that was their first midweek win so far in the league this season against Shrewsbury. But on Saturdays, they're pretty much untouchable. I think they lost on opening day against Sunderland and then have won every game since. Um, you know, there is a consistency to Wigan. As I said on, on Quest last night, I'm still pretty convinced that Rotherham are, are a much better side than Wigan and that'll show even though Wigan are level on points with them with a the game in hand I think come the end of the season unless you know circumstances change with managers or whatever or, or personnel or players Wigan probably the team who are more likely of the two to to strengthen um, in Jan uh, but I still think you know Rotherham, Rotherham's um, you know, their superiority will show in the points tally at the end of the season but here I'm basically just having a punt that Ipswich are going to put in a similarly poor performance. There doesn't seem to be much reason why they'd improve. Um, McCauley Bond hasn't scored in, in seven now. Uh, as soon as that's fit stopped, he they've just got so much worse. Keep, you know, Sam Morsey was was appalling uh, in midweek. Scott Fraser, ineffective. Like All these guys who should be good are just not playing at an acceptable level. Uh, and if that happens again, Wigan should make light work, light work of them. If Ipswich Town were called Shrewsbury or were called... Fleetwood and we're putting in the same level of performances every week then Wigan would be a lot shorter so I think they've got to be some value exciting my next best is Bradford City to beat Sutton uh, 11 to 10 this weekend in League 2 and this is almost all to do 
with team news. And that's because Sutton United are, well, bare bones got bearer in midweek. They, they went to Newport on Tuesday night, didn't they? They went into that game with several players out already. Uh, most notably, the defenders, Louis John and Kobe Rowe and Joe Kizzy. Certainly, Kizzy and John would be in Sutton's starting back four if everyone was fit, no question, alongside Goodlift, the, the other centre-back. Isaac Alafe, who we love, who we think is probably their, uh, I was going to say their star attacker, but after what Adjaboy did uh, in midweek, those goals against Newport have to be watched back, particularly the first one. Uh, maybe Adjaboy has a, a case for that, but Alafe gives them uh, that extra something uh, right at the top of the pitch. He didn't recover from a, a leg injury from the weekend. Uh, he was subbed off early in their FA Cup game. He was added to the, the casualty list. So Craig Eastmond, their captain leader legend, was playing at centre-back rather than defence midfield in the absence of those defenders. And then he got sent off against Newport and he'll be suspended here. In midfield, Kenny Davis, who hasn't had many minutes this season, started in midfield because of the absence of Eastmond, who's at the back. And Ali Smith, their other starting centre mid, who's also out injured at the moment. And Kenny Davis limped off during this game against Newport. So Omar Bugill was playing centre-back. John Barden had started at full-back and was moved into midfield. Rob Milson, who's normally their left-back, had started the game in midfield. And Enzio Boldvine was playing right-back. I, I don't expect anyone to have kept up with that, but I, I wanted to do this justice because they are bare-bonesy. So Eastman suspended here, um, their, their leader, you have to say. Might Olafe come back? It was originally reported as a dead leg. Would you miss two games with that? Probably not, but he wasn't even in the squad in midweek, which makes me think it might have been something a little more serious. Light at the back for sure, and therefore light on midfield screeners as well. Not to mention potential hangover from that game against Newport where they were 2-0 up and then got absolutely battered in the second half, losing 3-2 right at the end. Sort of physical and mental hangover from that one, I think. Plus this trip up north to Bradford to play this game. Uh, the, the elephant in the room here is that Bradford are winless in six. Five of those six have been draws. And scoring goals has been a big problem for them. Andy Cook is out injured. I mean, he's been massively underperforming in front of goal anyway this season, but he still feels like a stronger option than Angol or Robinson or, or Lavery. That's who I'm relying on really to score the goals here, which doesn't fill me with, with hope. But I just think with Sutton's, um, well, they're up against it, aren't they, in so many different ways. Bradford's set-piece threat alone with Canavan, O'Connor, Songo could be enough here. And Vernon, their star man, for me, always a danger off the side. So uh, I think this is a good chance for Bradford to get some confidence flowing against a team who, who, frankly, are completely up against it. So Bradford City, my pick, 11-10, to 10, to beat Sutton United at home in League Two this weekend. Uh, next up is the lay bet segment. I'm laying Sunderland, which means that Sunderland are going to win because this is the third time I've done this and they've won two of them. Um, and it, w it wouldn't be a huge surprise if they did have been. They're, they're 1.9 to lay. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at the games they've won recently, the circumstances around most of them has been not wholly convincing. You know, the 5-0 win against Morecambe, of course, was. They couldn't have done any more than that. But I'm not necessarily sure that a 5-0 win against Morecambe at the moment is kind of the strongest form line to follow. Um, I've spoken about the Ipswich and the Sunderland, and sorry, and the, and the Cambridge games, two games that they won uh, back at the end of November and early December. Um, I know they're both in, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, and both both in late November, and in both they were they weren't really convincing. Now, of course, there's a chance that that 5-0 Morecambe win is going to trigger 
one of Streaky Lee's winning streaks. And if that does happen, then fair enough. But I think at odds on against the Plymouth side, who I'm still totally convinced are, are still a very good side. I, I don't think we can write them off. The more and more I think about this, the, the more I'm siding with, with Plymouth being the, the the team that have got the better deal in the Ryan Lowe saga. Uh, if I was a Preston fan, I would be really, really concerned about bringing in a manager who's never worked under, uh, who's never worked without his team before, his team mainly being his right-hand man, Stephen Schumacher. Now, that's not necessarily to say that um, Schumacher is the brains or anything like that. It's just, it is... Um, I think it shows a fund- fundamental lack of understanding of how a football team has managed to think that Ryan Lowe was, was 90% of it and then the coaching staff and Schumacher was 10% um, just because he's the person that we hear give the interviews. Um, you know, I remember when we had, um, you know, the, the obvious example is Cook and Richardson in recent times, but I even remember when Chris Wilder came to Oxford, even though he did a magnificent job and, you know, he was labelled the Messiah for a time. The style of football itself was completely different to what we've seen Chris Wilder play at Northampton, at Sheffield United. And that was because Alan Nil wasn't there, who who's a massive part of the Wilder and Nil um, team. And, and I and I do think that there, there is more continuity at Plymouth Argyle with Schumacher staying than, than we would maybe think. So, uh, and that played out in what I saw yesterday. You know, I watched the whole game between MK Dons and Plymouth Argyle. It was quite a weird game, I would say. Like it was quite flat. For, at times but then in the second half um in flashes got very exciting with both teams going close um Garrick hit the woodwork late on for Argyle Parrot hit the woodwork um just after Ar- Argyle's equaliser either team probably could have won it but I think MK Dons are a very very good side and there was nothing in that performance at all from 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 the away team to to suggest that they were any worse to be honest and and if you look at the games that they lost late on in Lowe's tenure um, I still think they played well in the 3-0 loss against Wickham. I think they played well in the 2-1 loss against Wigan. So I- I'm fairly positive that this is a game between two fairly evenly matched sides. And so at 1.9, I think Sunderland are just a little bit too short, maybe, um, that last result flattering them, even though they were very good against Oxford in, in the one all draw on the weekend. So um, I'm not particularly bullish on this one, but I, I don't think I could really be back in Sunderland at, od- at odds on um, to beat a decent side. I mean that that manager assistant manager dynamic that that plays out with us as well, George. You know, I really struggle when I'm without my right hand man. I know, I know you do. Um, you know, it's I, just, I, w- I watch you on Quest. I know, and I just I, I'm just not the same. I'm just not the same. You know, because when I'm with you, we're so in sync and we spend so much time together that you know, especially when we're talking about EFL football, half the time we finish each other's lunches, sandwiches, sentences, ah. sentences. I found this the lay slate tough this week. Uh, I've ended up laying Preston at home to Barnsley at 1.9. Uh, I've been matched this morning with the using the Betfair exchange here, of course. I mean, from Stephen Schumacher to his old friend Ryan Lowe. His first game mm. in charge of Preston. They're home to a team in the relegation zone. They have shortened to 1.9 and I want to get against them. Uh, putting Ryan Lowe to one side for the moment. These are the games I don't think Preston are particularly good in. That's based on my observation of them over the last, well, three years or so in the championship. A very impressive side who have taken some scalps, who are very difficult to play against, very dynamic, out of possession in particular. And this is a sort of generalisation based on the last few years. But when the onus has been on them to attack, to break teams down with possession... That's when they are not good. Now, in time, under Ryan Lowe, if he can do what he's done in both jobs so far, and if he can do it without Shuey, 
then they should improve on this because Ryan Lowe's teams are very good in possession. They have good patterns of play. They're very attack-minded and they play a similar shape to to the, the basic shape of Frankie McAvoy's Preston. So I do think in time this could improve if Lowe is the one who can coach that and it's not Schumacher, TBC. Um, and I'm also expecting a, a smashing atmosphere here at Deepdale. Uh, good energy, real positivity around the appointment as you might expect. There's an excitement there. But this Preston team this group of players are not programmed to be the dominant team and they haven't been for a few years now so I'm not sure that necessarily just evaporates in the space of three days just because you now have a manager whose teams like to attack you know the six games in which they've had uh, the most possession this season they've lost all of them and I know that game state plays a big part of that that when they're behind teams will sit in and ask them to break them down and that's why those games in particular are the ones where they've ended up with the most possession but they've barely scored a goal in those games as well so albeit game state plays a part in making that stat look worse than it is perhaps it still shows that they're not effective at turning possession into goals at scoring goals when the opposition are sitting off them and daring them to to attack last season it was a similar record on that front the more ball Preston have it's for the worse, basically. Um, you know, you think of their their star man, Reese Jakobsen. He wants to play in space. He he's not really, he's not the sort of striker that I could see making hay against a, a low block side. So um, I think this new Barnsley under Poya as Baggy, they're happy to play the role of pragmatic party pooper, and that's something of a change uh, for them over the last few weeks. Lost his first game in charge against Swansea. They've drawn the next two against Peterborough and Huddersfield. It's pretty clear, and it's not very exciting that he's sorting out the defence first uh, and I think that was what was needed that had to be the first task because they were such a uh, an easy team to play through previously uh, and I think the Barnsley players are, are enjoying as Baggy's coaching style from the quotes I've seen the way that he is coaching on the training ground setting them up getting his messages across there's some some positive signs uh, they're certainly not pressing as high uh, their possession is down just a more pragmatic approach and that suits this fixture I think Mads Anderson's also back. He missed the first 14 games of the season, but he's played the last few. Things look, just look a little more settled with this Barnsley side. It looks a little more like the core of the side that we saw reach the playoffs last season, just missing Daryl DK. Um, they're certainly not the light touch they were a month ago. So I'm going to back them essentially to avoid defeat here by laying Preston at 1.9. That The challenge is there for North End and for their new manager, Ryan Lowe. Use that positive energy, dominate the ball, cut through Barnsley, slice them open at will, create loads of chances. It's that last bit that I think they're going to find it hard to do. So uh, I'm going to say that Barnsley are going to frustrate them here. Uh, 1.9, I'm laying Preston on the Betfair exchange. So, goals, what are you saying? Yeah, both teams to score West Brom against Reading at 21 to 20. Um, again, looking at, at teams, well, looking at BTTS markets where it's Todd's against for the yes, where I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, well, I mean, this, in my view, should be a fairly open contest because I don't think Reading really do any other way at the moment. Um, there's been an improvement in Reading's performances. They were good against Hull uh, last weekend. Um, Andy Carroll has definitely added something very, very different to their um, attacking means. And I'm I'm pretty convinced that he'll you know, continue to do that and is going to give the, the West Brom um, aggressive, well, physical centre-back, something to worry about. West Brom have been much better, you know, against Coventry. They finally ended that that run of five at XG uh, without scoring, which is big, and, and they should continue to do that. Um, 
you know, in Reading have players coming back from injury, Swift and, and Drinkwater. I mean, Drinkwater has been one of the revelations of the season so far. Um, so I think this should be open. I, I can't see Reading trying to set up to defend here. Um, and we know that West Brom should be better defensively, but have often been susceptible to, well, I mean, they haven't been particularly strong um, in, in preventing the opposition from scoring. So um, I think there could easily be an, an early goal here. I think West Brom are quite clearly the likely side to win this. But as soon as that happens, then there's going to be no, um, you know, there's going to be no need for for, for Reading to, to try and protect the lead. They'll have to, to go forward and score, which should mean that goals is forecast. So 21 to 20, BTTS, Wedding, uh, West Brom Reading is my, uh, is my goals bet. I mostly have benefited on this six-week green streak from being <laughs> relatively conservative, relatively sensible. That's obviously the best way to be. I, th- I think everyone knows that. But you can't keep a good man down for too long. It's an over 2.5 fourfold for me at 12.31 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Three games in League One because that's where goals exist at the moment in the EFL. Uh, the highest number of games going overs, uh, the highest average goals per game as well. Uh, and one in League Two. <clears throat> Crew against Sheffield Wednesday. I think that Wednesday, despite drawing a blank at Pompey in midweek, I think they can rack up a few goals against this incredibly young crew back line. You know, I think eight of their 10 outfield players crew were academy graduates. Not all of them are are teenagers, you know, some of the more established players, but um, I I don't trust them to stay firm, uh, crew, put it that way. Wednesday themselves have a very makeshift defence at the moment uh, and Mandron bit of confidence from those two penalties in midweek maybe he could get on the score sheet as well so over 2.5 in crew Wednesday Accrington against Bolton I mean Aki home games average 3.5 goals per game my my general vision of an Accrington home game is just plundering goals at both ends um, Rotherham Burton uh, overs as well basically just see Rotherham scoring three goals or more in, in pretty much any league game at the moment I, I can't think of a time where you and I have, have rated a club or a team higher than the way we rate Rotherham right now relative to the division. Mm. Um, uh, p- perhaps we should make an exception for for parachute payment championship teams as well because we've seen some strong ones over the years, including Fulham at the moment. Uh, and then Bristol Rovers Rochdale in League Two is the fourth of four, and that's because Rochdale are agents of chaos, and that's because Bristol Rovers at home are an overs team. 70% of Rovers home games have been over 2.5. 60% of Dale away games. So small reasoning for all four there. Crew, Sheffield Wednesday, Accrington and Bolton, Rotherham versus Burton and Bristol Rovers versus Rochdale. An over 2.5 fourfold at 12.31. And with Betfair, remember, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you receive a £5 free bet also to use on multiples or bet builders. Terms and conditions do apply, so check those out on the Betfair site, which leaves some goal scorers. Yeah, my goal scorer is Brandon Thomas Asante um, to score first. Or, see, this is another one I've been... I know I'm going to go anytime. You just mentioned there how it's not. It's important not to be greedy. Um, we now know that he's obviously going to score first. But, um, yeah, he's 16-5 to five to score anytime. And um, that is away at Mansfield. And again... I like to do this, mate, because I know it, it flies in the face of of one of your um, kind of financial positions. But well, I, and I don't think it's a long term issue. But I'm not necessarily convinced that Mansfield can continue this this run they're on at the moment. I think it's eight wins in the last nine. You stay well away um, from my face, please. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to ruin your stag party ever. Um, but 
they were fairly fortunate to beat Carlisle. Um, Carlisle were okay. Uh, and even Nigel Clough said after the game, he said, look, I thought we were really leggy. I thought we were really tired. We were out on our feet there. He was like, it's an impressive win given how knackered we are. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the best performance. And to add to that, you know, circumstantially, Mansfield had a tough game in midweek and they said as much um, and they're missing players and Salford had a week off because their game against Barrow was was postponed. So Salford coming into this one completely fresh. And if you are knackered, um, the, probably the last thing you want to come up against is a fully refreshed, fit and firing Brandon Thomas Asante, who's, who's finding his feet at the moment. He's scoring a lot of goals for, for Salford. Uh, he's their key attacking threat. Um, he gets into good positions. He gets shots away. I, um, I, I do think if I'm right here in Salford, have the measure of, of Mansfield, this which would have been kind of third on my list for my nap, my my next best. I think Thomas Asante could be the key. So he, him to score any time at sixteen to five is my goal scorer bet. Mine is Matty Stevens, Forest Green against Oldham, thirteen to ten here. Clearly, as they are my nap, I fancy Forest Green to thrive at Boundary Park this weekend. And when you talk about Forest Green goal scorers, of course, you've got an uh, an issue really because Jamil Matt and Matty Stevens are both on 11 goals in the league this season. They've both been neck and neck basically all season. And if I'm honest, George, I, I was always Jamil Matt over Matty Stevens um, all season. <laughs> I've got Matt, Jamil Matt, that is, top goal scorer in so many anti-post bets. And so, you know, I almost grimace every time I see Matty Stevens steal one of Jamil Matt's goals. My thinking was he was the, the better player, the talisman for this team, uh, the more proven goal scorer at this level. But... I think we're long enough into the season now where my expectancy for Matty Stevens to cool down, uh, I can say that, that that was wrong. And I can't really ignore these stats now. We're looking at Scout earlier and comparing their, their goal-scoring numbers. Uh, goals per 90 this season, Matty Stevens 0.8 goals per 90, Jamil Matt 0.56. Non-penalty goals, similar, Matty Stevens 0.7, Jamil Matt 0.47. Uh, it's a decent gap, that. Uh, XG per 90, Matty Stevens 0.7, Jamil Matt 0.47. That seems very improbable, but they are both exactly on their XG numbers this season. Matty Stevens has scored more headed goals per 90, which might be somewhat of a surprise. And then the, the most eye-catching for me, shots per 90. Matt Stevens 3.26 shots per game. Jamil Matt only 1.72. So you, you, you really start to see that although Matt's goal-scoring numbers are pretty impressive considering the, the paucity of shots that he takes compared to his strike partner, you know, it is Matty Stevens that benefits from Matt's all-round play, whereas Matt doesn't really benefit from anything that Stevens does. So uh, it all points towards Matty Stevens for me. That they're both 13 to 10 to score any time. I think there's a decent chance they both score, and obviously I'll be I'll be a bit sad if Jamil Matt scores and Matty Stevens doesn't. But it would be good for my long-term position. So Matty Stevens 13 to 10 to score. Uh, the the diversity of goals that he scored this season has been so impressive for someone who's never shown this uh, sort of goal scoring form. Headed goals, runs in behind, finishes one on one, fox in the box type. Um, yeah, the confidence that he showed in taking that that goal in midweek as well. Uh, it's all good stuff. So uh, Matty Stevens, thirteen to ten, my goal scorer pick. Let's recap our selections this weekend. Nap is Exeter. At home to Tranmere. Uh, my next best is Wigan at home to Ipswich. I'm laying Sunderland at home to Plymouth Argyle. BTTS West Brom against Reading. And Brandon Thomas Asante, 16-5 to, to score any time. 
And I am napping Forest Green at Oldham at four to five and Bradford next best at home to Sutton, 11 to 10, both of those with the Betfair Sportsbook. Remember that there's no cash out suspensions on Betfair on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash out suspensions at any stage for match odds on all EFL games. Uh, I'm laying Preston at 1.9. That's been matched this morning on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, goals over 2.5 quad, fourfold. Uh, crew, the Crew game, the Accrington game, the Rotherham game and the Bristol Rovers game in a fourfold at 12.31. Uh, and then my goal scorer, Matty Stevens for Forest Green at 13-10. to 10. George, uh, as ever, it's been a pleasure and a delight we didn't finish each other's sandwiches today, um, but I appreciate you joining me because it's less than 12 hours since you were on live national television. I'm and in, so tired. And in that time, you had at least an hour taxi home and you had to sleep and you had to prep for the pod. So well done, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thanks. I've got two more pods this afternoon. So let's let's get to the end of Thursday and go to bed. Very rare that I would uh, outwardly praise you, but I think you deserve it this time round. Um, and Saturday's <laughs> a, a good day if you like uh, listening to our voices or seeing our faces because George, BBC Radio 5 Live, he'll be doing a hit normally around 12.45 and then sports mm. report after the games. And then just when the dust has settled on that, bang, I'll be on your screens from 10pm on Quest <laughs> alongside Ian Ollie Holloway. Uh, looking forward to that immensely. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Please uh, drop a share if you have done. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk you through this busiest of dockets. We'll be back again on Monday, of course we will, to break it all down. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Betfair, for their very generous and continued support for the Not The Top 20 podcast, allowing us to do what we do twice weekly, covering the EFL as best we can. We'll talk again on Monday. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone. Go well.